Terry Moran's Hoosiers finish up the second of two games in Greece over the weekend. Well, they had another dominant victory. It did come with a potential injury scare. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody. You are Locked On Hoosiers, the one and only daily IU podcast. We are part of the Locked On Network. Your team every day. Appreciate you guys always making us your first listen, wherever that may be from. I'm your host as always, Jacob Rude. IU finished their second of two games in Greece. Now we'll have the better part of a week to just kind of enjoy Greece and whatnot. And while Indiana earned a second dominant win, there's some worries. Because of an injury. Let's start with the bad news and the potential injury. Indiana won 101-36, but in the second half, Sarah Scalia looked to have injured her leg. Uh, She went to IU's bench kind of immediately after an injury. Her leg kind of tweaked a little bit and kind of twisted a little awkwardly when landing after, uh, I believe, a layup. And... It didn't look great, but it wasn't one of those crumpled to the ground in in kind of one of those awful injuries. The the worst case scenario, she tried to keep playing. She attempted a jump shot, but was favoring her leg. And right after that jump shot was kind of like, nope, I'm out. That's all we know right now. As I'm recording this Sunday night, IU hasn't released anything. They haven't said anything. Let's hope. Knock on wood. It's something small, nothing to worry about, and that everything went swimmingly uh, because obviously Scalia is going to be an important part of this team. Potential, maybe probable starter on this team and someone that could be in store for a really big season. She played really well in Greece. She had a huge game one. uh, And then on Saturday in that 101-36 victory, She had 21 points on 7 of 15 shooting, was 5 of 12 from 3. She shot the ball extremely well. Whatever, however much stock you want to put into that, playing two scrimmages, exhibition games, she shot the ball exceedingly well. And that, I use shooting and specifically Scalia is probably the biggest positive to take away from this. Uh, Someone else that we probably didn't talk enough about on Friday's episode. Sydney Parrish, she finished with 23 points in this one, 9 of 17 shooting, 4 of 9 from the three-point line. We, I think we've discussed this at one point. Mackenzie Holmes was going to be IU's best player this season. She, again, did not play in this game. The abundance of caution, what was the phrase used, but she did not play in this game. And... She'll be the best player. The case for the second best player is kind of an open one for Indiana. A couple different people could step in and fill that void, but again, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into this. Over this Greece trip, Sydney Parrish has looked really, really good and looks fully ready and capable of taking that step to being the second best player on this team. 
So excited to see uh, another season of her in Assembly Hall. The starters were a little bit different in this game. Sydney Parrish, Chloe Moore McNeil uh, both started. Lily Meister started for Mackenzie Holmes. Alexis Bargesser did start again alongside Yarden Garzon. So if you swap out Mackenzie Holmes for Lily Meister, this could be the starting lineup next season. Bargesser played well. 14 points, 7 rebounds, and assist. 5 of 9 from the field, Mr. Only 3. A good showing from her in these two games. So perhaps she is the fifth starter to take Grace Berger's spot. A couple people are going to factor into that. Scalia, twenty the, the 21 points we mentioned. Is she better as a starter? Is she better as a sixth woman, sixth man? And coming off the bench, being that scoring punch. Jules Amendola and Lene Beaumont, two players we talked about how impressive they looked in Thursday's game, came back down to earth. They shot a combined 6 of 21, had 14 points, 14 rebounds. You don't get too high with Thursday's performance. You don't get too low with this one. It is it is what it is. They're going to have those kind of learning moments, those growing pains, and we move on. Uh, Sharnice Curry-Jelks. Was 5 of 6 from the field, 11 points, 5 rebounds, so strong showing. The other big positive, I think, to take away from this is how good IU looked defensively. The The opponent, the competition was poor, to say the least, but Indiana forced, this was the Patras All-Stars. They played the Greek All-Stars on Thursday. I believe Patras is how you pronounce this. Forced them into 29 turnovers. They had 15 steals. 35 points off of turnovers. Suffocating. The Patras only had 11 points in the second half total. They only had 11 field goals in the game. 11 of 44, 2 of 15 from 3. I use a really good defensive team. That's another spot that they're going to have to replace Grace Berger. She was a really strong defender. So a strong showing in that regard, but you take all of this with mounds and mounds and mounds of salt. It's a fun experience. It's a chance for the team to, to play together, to work together for a couple weeks. And then you get ready and head into the fall, head into the school season. And that's when things really shape up. So They'll be in Greece, I believe, through the 10th. So if you're on Instagram, if you're on Twitter, you'll see content from there. The IU Women's Basketball account is sharing a number of videos. So you can go check out stuff over there. And then all the ladies are are posting on Instagram and whatnot. It looks like a really fun trip. Great time of year to go to Greece. So a, a fun couple of games gets you excited about what's in store for the Hoosiers. Certainly will give us plenty to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the big thing to talk about with the Big Ten is conference realignment. We mentioned it on Friday's show over the weekend. The Big Ten has two new members. We'll talk about what that means for Indiana and what could, who could be next to join the Big Ten. We'll do all that here in a moment. I want to talk to you first about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager 
for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You guys know the process. Everydayers will have heard me say this every day. But just create your job listing. Add that and the purple hiring hashtag to your LinkedIn profile. Let everybody know that you are hiring. LinkedIn has simple screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one versus the leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find those qualified candidates faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Big thanks to you everydayers once again for always being here and supporting. We'll have plenty of recruiting stuff to talk about women and men's basketball. If you guys missed it last week, we had Talia Goodman on uh, last Monday's episode to talk all about IU women's basketball over the summer. She dropped some nuggets on recruiting and then dropped a bigger piece on Friday, so going to dive in, take a look at some people the Hoosiers are targeting, a couple people around the state if you guys want to go check them out as well. So that'll be tomorrow's episode, and then we'll have Recruiting Wednesday for the men's team on Wednesday. So plenty of recruiting talk this week, but we have to talk about conference realignment. That is obviously the big story of the weekend. Oregon and Washington are now Big Ten schools. Uh, if it was weird to see... LA teams, USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, this isn't going to make it any less weird. Now we have the Pacific Northwest lockdown as well as Southern California. Throw geography out the window. None of it makes sense. But the Hoosiers are, or the Big Ten, excuse me, uh, is adding these schools. You guys know why. I mean, it's, it's for money. So it is, I I guess once USC and UCLA were added, you just kind of had to accept that nothing was going to make sense and move on from there. And if you accepted that, then I don't know. I didn't feel as like shell-shocked or odd about this one as I did USC and UCLA. Part of it was because that one came just out of left field. This one felt like it was coming and it's going to create some interesting situations we'll say right now the big 10 has 18 teams they're these two schools are going to join next season so all that 
football scheduling, rip it up, throw it out the window. It's gone. I don't really know what they're going to do. I don't think that they're done. And we're going to talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But what does this mean for the Hoosiers for scheduling? For football, it's going to have to change once again. Um, I would assume the same principle is used. You protect some rivalries and you play some games against everyone else. I assume Oregon and Washington are going to play each other. Are they going to play USC and UCLA? Are you going to consider those protected? To be honest, ultimately, I think they add two more schools and potentially do divisions. I, I Maybe the whole schedule is... I mean, they can't do this yet. Long term, maybe the whole schedule is just Big Ten games. There's contracts signed so far out in advance that it'd be a long, long, long time before that would happen. I don't think Oregon and Washington want that. They both released statements about wanting to continue to play specifically Oregon State and Washington State in non-conference play. So I don't think either of those schools are going to support exclusively Big Ten games for the schedule, but... I, we're in uncharted waters now. Uh, a couple 10-team divisions make sense. Eight games, or nine games, excuse me, against conference teams. Again, that doesn't leave you any wiggle room to play many non-conference games. But maybe they do, if it's 20 teams, perhaps you do like smaller divisions, four or five team divisions. I'm not, I just don't really know at this point. Everything feels like it's on the table. When it comes to basketball, you now have an even, an even more absurd schedule. I don't even think we got to the basketball scheduling part of next season. Uh, you have really long travels now. I assume, I don't know how that's going to work. Flying out to Eugene, flying out to uh, Seattle, flying out to L.A. All those can't be weekend games. That's going to be a mess in and of itself. And to that point, I, it, I've i tried to repeat this a lot. Football scheduling is kind of just the details. You have a week to get out there. That Everything is such a cash cow with football. I'm less worried about that. What I am worried about is the non-revenue sports in even in uh, not even including basketball because there were some noteworthy tweets that came out over the weekend. Andy Whitry uh, gathered these. They were from a number of Pac-12 softball players who were tweeting out things like, um, I picked to play in a high-level softball conference where being close to home would allow my parents to come watch games. It's unfortunate to hear that my senior year, senior year, I'll be playing as far as New Jersey and Rutgers, as well as other East Coast schools. It's a sentiment that was repeatedly shared. That was Paige Sinicki, who uh, had that one. There were a lot of them. Shannon Cunningham, I chose to play in the Pac-12 because of the ability to play close to home. 
and in front of family. I chose the pack so my family didn't have to worry about far travel or giving up all their vacation time just to come see me. This affects athletes in every sport and academics. The academics one is something we've mentioned in other times. Oregon softball player. Anyone going to talk about how all the other sports that play multiple games in a weekend? What happened to mental health of student athletes being important? The balance of practice, travel, school, and having a social life is already hard enough. Why add even more stress? Another Oregon softball player. It's an upsetting day for the Pac-12 lovers and people who love the sanity of student athletes' mental health. Tired of being an overlooked sport. Some of these I don't. These are Twitter. I don't know their names. Morgan Scotty was one of the Oregon players. I don't know the name of the other one, but these are all softball athletes. A couple of Oregon players. Uh, I think three of them were from Oregon, and one of them perhaps from Arizona State, based on the profile picture. But they're the ones speaking up now. They're the ones that are saying what I've been trying to say. Kudos to them for for getting out there and putting this out there. We're way too far past, though, for that to matter to Big Ten officials. Like, they didn't, at no point have they cared about any of those sports. Whatever softball, soccer, track and field, field hockey, whatever it is, whatever the, the non-revenue sports, baseball, Uh, baseball and softball are the ones that have to play multiple games over a weekend are you gonna fly out there on a friday morning play friday night saturday sunday and then fly back do you play a double header on saturday and fly back on sunday how does that work that's so much flying for student athletes who are already as as those athletes themselves said are under so much stress Big Ten doesn't really care that when they were asked about things like this, Kevin Warren claimed he cared about academics. They don't. Their actions speak louder than words. So I would I would say I'm interested to see how they approach this, but it's not going to be a good solution. There is no good solution to this. So there are still, I think, I, I would bet a lot of money. Uh, the Big Ten is going to add two more teams before next season. Get to an even 20. That makes a number of things a whole lot easier to do when it comes to scheduling. Who could they look at, though? I have a, a number of teams that we will discuss here in just a moment. So if the Big Ten is going to add two more schools to get to that 20, Who are they going to look at? There's been a lot of rumors, a lot of names thrown around, a lot of suggestions. I think one of the first ones they're going to look at is Stanford. I I think what's important to remember, I mentioned this on Friday, I can explain it a little bit more today. The Big Ten has only added AAU schools to their conference. AAU is the short of it. It's the Association of American Universities. They have very strict kind of rules about having offering education, academic research. It basically means they're a very prestigious academic school. Every team, every I keep saying team, I apologize. Every school that the Big Ten has added has been an AAU school. 
that is something to keep in note, keep in mind when the when looking at these programs. Stanford obviously is a school that fits that bill. From there, where do you look? I would not be surprised. And I think right now I would say I would put my money on it being Stanford and Cal for a number of reasons. Geography being obviously the paramount among them. Cal is also an AAU school. I really, really think these last two need to be West Coast schools, former Pac-12 schools, because that helps with a lot of this travel, a lot of those concerns that student-athletes have. The Big Ten doesn't care about those concerns, but it would it would solve those even if it indirectly solves those. Cal, Stanford, UCLA, USC, all generally in the same little area. Oregon and Washington right there as well. It keeps some of the traditions, some of the rivalries, some of that stuff together. Not all of it, but I, I think that bridges the gap a little bit better. Makes the transition a little bit easier if you have a number of schools kind of that you're going with. That would be my guess right now, but it feels like anything's on the table. There's been a lot of suggestions at Clemson and Florida State. I've seen rumors about those two for quite a while. Possibly. I mean, I don't know that I need to make the case for that. Clemson's a great football school, as is Florida State. It gets you into even newer, even more markets. You get into the South for football in the Big Ten. You get into the you get into Florida. I mean, like the the arguments kind of make themselves, and that would be very much a football move, I think, to bring those two schools in. That feels a li- little bit more like I don't want to say a fantasy necessarily, but I don't know how realistic that one is. Um, Clemson's not an AAU school, so that would be the first time uh, they they would add a school that wouldn't be an AAU school. I don't believe Florida State is either. Florida State is not. So that is, I'm very skeptical on that one for a number of reasons. I don't know how much this AAU stuff matters. It's really odd to make that something that matters to them when they don't care about academics really. But Florida, South Florida, and Miami are the only ones, only AAU schools in Florida and the South. It's Georgia Tech, Emory, Tulane, Duke, and UNC. And that is it on the kind of SEC country in that area. The one other school I think they're going to go at, and kind of issue an ultimatum. I think the Big Ten is going to get to 20 schools and hold for a while. Probably quite a while. I think that they will probably go for Notre Dame one more time and offer an ultimatum of it's now or never. Notre Dame and Stanford perhaps make some sense. Notre Dame, obviously, an AAU school. Logistically, geographically, it makes a lot of sense. Geographic or geography hasn't mattered to them at any point during this expansion, but it makes a lot of sense in that regard. Um, 
I don't know that Notre Dame would do it. However, the longer Notre Dame stays independent as all these other conferences crumble, the harder it's going to be for them to ever join a conference, the harder it's going to be for them to schedule a lot of these opponents. As I said, I think the end goal for the Big Ten is to play a, or maybe an ideal uh, scenario for the Big Ten is to play a full Big Ten schedule. Notre Dame has a lot of rivalries with a lot of Big Ten schools now. How would that play out? I don't really know any of the answers to this. Uh, So it's going to be really interesting to see what this approach is going to be. What I would mention on the note of AAU uh, universities, I wrote this down and forgot to mention it. However much that matters... Nebraska was an AAU school and is not anymore. When they joined the Big Ten, they were an AAU school and they are not. So it's not like a firm, you have to be an AAU school to be in the Big Ten, which perhaps opens the door for Clemson and Florida State. It's just not a coincidence that every time they've added a school, they've been an AAU school. So it's a mess. I don't really like this. That was my sentiment on Friday. I don't like that the Pac-12, Pac-10 is dying like this. This is modern college athletics. So no more Pac-12 after dark. You get Big Ten after dark. And uh, it's going to be... Interesting to see Big Ten teams playing football games at 11 o'clock at night. A lot of this is going to take some getting used to. And it's not done. I'm certain it's not done. We'll see how those things play out. Who would you add if you were Big Ten commissioner? I'd be kicking out schools as much as I'd be adding schools. But no apologies to Rutgers or Maryland on that one. Who would you add? What would your kind of wish list look like for schools? Let me know down below. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. Again, every day is tomorrow on the show. We'll do women's basketball recruiting. Wednesday is our regular men's basketball recruiting episode. We'll uh, we'll get you guys all caught up on everything you need to know when it comes to recruiting. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you have not already at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. All that great stuff. Appreciate the support as always, guys. Hope everybody has a great start to their week and a great Monday. As always, LEO.